0: Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K.
1: It's about to go. Hey, what is up, Nerd Mafia? Uh, Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. Uh, As you guys that are going to be watching this can see, we've got another guest with me this week. I'm pretty stoked about this one, uh, minus the fact of the colors that he's wearing, for those that you can see. Uh, I I do have me a a Patriots fan on the show for the first time uh, so far this year. I'm sure there'll be plenty more coming down the road. But I'm joined by Jeff Greenwood tonight, uh, and I'm really super excited to talk to Jeff. Uh, He's super knowledgeable about the game. Uh, He writes a lot about the game. He's got his own podcast podcast now too where he's he's gonna we'll be getting into that a little bit later and just all around super knowledgeable guy minus the Patriots fan part but Jeff thanks for being here I really appreciate I know you're a busy guy so uh thanks for being here let everybody know a little bit about yourself
0: thank you very much it's an honor to be on you you're doing a really cool cool thing Colt. and I told you ahead of time like you're you're super organized great show notes and I you know some of the things we're talking about today I'm pretty stoked myself so Uh, It's an honor to be on. Thank you very much. So um, I'm Jeff Greenwood. I'm a writer for the Fancy Footballers. I just uh, started a podcast with a buddy, um, Tackle Dummies. And um, I'm all over Twitter. Um, Way too obsessed with it. (laughs) But uh, I like to have a good time. Positive vibe. So. Um, super into fantasy and and excited to chop it up with you and uh, AFC stuff tonight. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's going to be a lot of fun. I, you know, it's like, this is kind of my thing that I really wanted to be able to accomplish as we're coming through this, right, was to chat it up with fans of the other fan bases, right? Because I like hearing like what the national media says about the Bills. Sure, that's great. If you talk to the local guys, you're going to kind of get mostly the same story. You know, it's going to be pretty similar. And then if you go to the outside, you might actually get a different opinion of your team that you're looking for, right? So I'm curious to hear what you have to say today about your New England Patriots, the new New England Patriots uh, and what you have to say about the Buffalo Bills. Right. But before we get into all that, like we do every week, uh, we do start out the show by highlighting a charity. Um, This is another reason that I wanted to have uh, Jeff on because Jeff uh, has a similar uh, situation like I do. Uh, He has a child with special needs as well. Um, So Jeff decided to he wanted to chat up Nord. Okay, so Jeff, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about Nord and why you chose them?
0: Absolutely. And in you know, I, I have to say, I do know that we share a similar situation. I, I love what you're doing with with the um, charities and incorporating that in the podcast. Like, awesome stuff. I, I very much respect that. So, NORD is the National Organization for Rare Diseases. Um, it's actually Fred Warner, one of the uh, 49ers players, um, defensive players, wore, like, my cause, my cleats for NORD. It's an organization that does research on on rare genetic disorders and, and other disorders that um, help families with, with questions where they don't have a lot of answers. Um, and there's so many different rare um, genetic disorders out there where, where children um, are having symptoms and it's really hard to identify what's going on and how to plan for the future. And as a parent, that that's really tough. So to me, it's close to home because my, my daughter, Nora, um, who's three, um, has a genetic disorder, Beretser-Winter syndrome. So there's like 50 people in the world that have been diagnosed with that. Um, so there's, it's been just a wild ride and it's tough as a parent. I mean, you, you, um, as you know, Cole, it's like in any parent out there, you're, you're, you want to do the best for your kids and it's hard to, you know, guide them in the right direction sometimes if you don't really understand the situation that they're in. So Nord is doing tremendous things for helping families with research and also um, financial backing. So thanks for letting me, you know, get a shout out for them. Uh, NORD is a great organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they do, like you just kind of mentioned, it's, it's not necessarily like, the, you know, there's going to be a research there that you can read. I mean, that you might be able to just come across something that clicks for you that you've been looking for, right? That's part of what a lot of these organizations are trying to do is while they're trying to research, they're taking all that and they're giving, you know, they're putting it back out in front of families and parents that, you know, need that information. So it's very cool. That's why I want to highlight things like this, because I think a lot of people have never heard of NORD. Right. And obviously a lot of people have never heard of this disease that your daughter has when there's only 50 people, you know, in the world, which there's probably more. Right. But maybe they just haven't been diagnosed properly or things of that nature. Right. Because we don't know. Exactly. Right. So right. it's very difficult. So organizations like this that are trying to find cures and things to stuff that nobody knows yet, right? That's, that's, I really enjoy those because it's awesome to be able to, you know, hit up charities like I do, you know, like the Cerebral Palsy Foundation. They know what they're up against. You know, they're trying to find ways to, you know, to early identify and get out in front of these things and do those things. But organizations like this are doing, you know, research on things that we, don't know very much about. Right. So it's very cool. I like it. I'm very happy to support Nord. All their information will be up on, you know, the show notes and everything. So if you guys want to click right over there, if you need the information, if you want to send it to somebody that you know might need it, or if you want to go on there and donate or find out, you know, there's probably something local in your backyard. Uh, maybe you can go volunteer some time too. Right. So very cool. Jeff, thanks for uh, you know telling everybody a little bit about your story too. I mean, that's um, I think it's nice that, you know, people can hear kind of the personal side of, you know, why why we're choosing these things, you know, it's not necessarily we're just going out and being like, "Oh yeah, uh yeah, I like this charity. I just happened to google it and picked a name, right? And yeah, I like them, right?" But very cool. Thanks for sharing. So,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so do you think you want to talk about some football? <clears throat> I mean, You you are kind of a fantasy footballer guy, right? You like to write about it. Um, You are the self-proclaimed fullback enthusiast, right? I mean, like you're the guy that knows the most about fullbacks. (laughs) That's right. That's right, right? I got to rep my guys. That's right. So it's funny because when I was talking to Lauren the other day, we were talking about like the tight ends and how terrible they are and like how it's kind of diminished in fantasy how hard it is to actually pick good tight ends unless you just go to like the top three. And then after mm. that, you're just hoping and praying pretty much that we should just get rid of the tight ends and move a different position in and try it out. I was joking around last week saying we should do offensive linemen because we can do pancake blocks and we can do things like that. But the fullback position could also be a position that we should incorporate. Right. And, and change it up a little bit because tight ends are really starting to just bring fantasy down.
0: it's interesting i i saw a tweet today um that someone had talked about like the delta in points between tight end one and tight end three on a points per game basis i think was like i don't like six points per game and and they looked at the comparison of you know tight end four to tight end like 13 and it was the same delta so it's it's an interesting position because it's yeah i mean you get one of the top guys you have an incredible advantage but i mean like you know, no one cares about the tight end seven on the season because that doesn't really carry much value. Tight end seven is the same as tight end 11.
1: Right. It's almost, and especially because you have to have them, right? So if you don't want to be that guy that wants to go and use your draft capital early and get the guy, then you might as well just wait it out, right? I mean, is that kind of the, is that how you approach the tight end?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm traditionally a, a streaming guy. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a big hammer RB early. Like, I mean, you, you follow the value of the board, but the hit rate for running backs early is so great that to me, you know, there, there's many different ways to skin a cat, you know, and there, there's many ways to win. I'm traditionally, I try, if I can, I I try to go RB early just because I think it has the highest probability of winning if you execute in the, in, in the proper fashion. Right. Um, so That being said, you know, tight ends, I I typically wait, but, um, but I'm all for, I think it's a good move to grab a Kelsey or Kittle or, um, you know, Waller, one of those top guys early if, if they fall to you.
1: Right. So now that we're kind of chatting about the tight end a little bit, that was the segue kind of a little bit into, I'm curious, uh, how do you feel about new England's off season? Because you now brought in probably tight ends five and like 10 last year, right? They're now both on your roster. So, I mean, (laughs) I, I, how are you feeling over there? What, what, like what, what about this off season? Did you like feel like, okay, I feel like things are turning back to new England being kind of like, we're, we're going to, we're going to win this year.
0: It's a great question. And you know, Um, I think it's one of those situations that's better for real life NFL than it is for fantasy. Um, So, you know, I think I'm super excited for Hunter Henry and um, John Smith because we brought those guys in and I think they're, they're short yardage, big targets that can, you know, get some yards after the catch. And I think that fits the offense. Well, we got a a decent line. Um, We got a lot of depth at running back for the Patriots um, so for me, I think that adding those two tight ends is one of the better moves, you know, or, or collectively two moves that we've made this offseason. I think in fantasy. I'm not really excited about either. I think they're both going to have their games, but I think the passing game is unpredictable. You know, whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones, you know, I, I think that Cam is going to start off. I think he's going to be, you know, impressing people a little bit more than people expect. That's that's my expectation. I, I'm, a, I'm a Cam believer or defender. Um, so I love those tight ends, but as far as fantasy goes, you know, if it's a, you know, double digit round pick and redraft, I'll take a flyer just for the sake of taking a flyer, but Um, they're not guys that I, I, you know, put my plant my flag on for, for redraft.
1: Right. I've kind of had similar with them. And it's, to me, it is a little bit the quarterback situation. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't know that I really want to be there, even though like a short yardage thing could probably work. I'm still not sure we're going to see Cam Newton throw the ball a ton. Right. I'm not sure the offense is going to be necessarily Hmm. built that way where he's slinging it all over the field. Right. That's not necessarily his style. I don't think, but I, I was kind of, the offseason for me, uh, the wide receiver moves were weird. I thought those the wide receiver moves for you guys were a little off. But the thing that I thought was like kind of the best for you guys realistically besides the tight ends was that you brought your defense back just because they decided that they they weren't worried about COVID this year, right? So th- you guys brought back quite a few players on the defensive side of the ball that are that are gamers. Right. And that's kind of what
0: Van Noy, baby. Well,
1: and and new England's kind of been built that way, right. That the defense usually is able to turn it up at a certain point in the season. And they just couldn't do that last year, you know, at any point in the season, really, I didn't feel. So I thought your defensive side of the ball just purely got better for showing up. Right. I mean, what do you think about your defensive side of the ball?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, especially to your point, you know, like two years ago, we were the best defense in football, and it was you know when you have something like that, um, and I think you're right. I think traditionally New England schemes around the defense and the offense. It's you know just just move move the football, just a few yards at a time. Don't worry about the big chunk plays. Just score a few points, and then on defense, hold them down. It's been a good strategy um, in New England, and um, I am excited for Van Noy and a few other players to come. You know, be be coming back. I did see that Stefan Gilmore hasn't shown up yet. And there's some talk about, you know, his, his deal. I'm not, you know, I, I'm a big believer in the players and um, advocating for them for, for financial reasons and whatever. But as far as if he, you know, if he shows up in the season, who knows, it's so early. I mean, it's only June. So I'm, I'm super excited for defense. I'm with you. I think last season, the defense was mediocre, but it took a big step back from the from prior year. Um, and I think we'll be better this year. Um, so I, I'm, I am excited. I, you know, I think we went from last year It was the first year in a while that was like there's, you know, the, the Patriots are not going to make a run. It's a very definitive thing. Um, you know, once we get a few games into the season and we, we start to see that, I think this year, I think we could be a playoff contender. Um, I, I will kind of alluding to future conversation. I think the Bills are, are going to win it. I think they're the better team. I think it's clear. Um, I think the Patriots and some of the moves they've made this offseason have gone from being, you know, maybe second, but maybe third, maybe fourth in the division to now. Okay, they stand a shot for the second, you know, spot in the AFC East.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think as much as you, you know, people don't want to you know, think that Cam can do it. I think he can do it when he's got the right pieces around him. And I don't know that it's going to necessarily be like a skyrocketing thing. Like like you're saying, I don't think that they can excel to get up to the Bills level at this point not in a a season with so many new moving parts on the offensive side of the ball, but they do definitely still, I mean, they won seven games last year, right? With nobody in a really bad situation. So something tells me they could be fighting for two fairly easy, especially with Miami. If they're really going to roll Tua back out there and he's not changed from what he was last season, then absolutely. I mean, New England could very much be in the mix. The jets are still, you know, I don't know. I think they're going to be better, and I'm happy that they're getting better. But yeah, I, I would have traded the second pick and got as much as I could because I don't. I think you need more than the quarterback. But hey, I'm okay with a team that wants to give us two victories every season too, right? So whatever. But <laughs> but but let let me ask you this. So about the quarterbacks, I mean, like you you kind of mentioned, and I I agree. I'm not sure that they're going to roll Mac Jones out there. But what if Cam? It, who, who would you prefer? Like, do you, if you had your choice, how would you want to roll them out there?
0: So I think that for me, the answer is the same for the short term and the long term. I mean, uh, Matt Jones isn't winning a Super Bowl this year. You know, I'm we're not we're not winning this year. I'm I'm, I'm a realistic fan. I'm a big Patriots fan. We've had a lot of success. Um, so in the long term, I think it's best for him to stay behind and and you know sit on the bench. You know. It's, it was a great example seeing when Andy Reid um, you know, had Pat Mahomes sit back and um, and kind of learn the game for a season, put him out, I think, week 16 or 17. So, I mean, that's a different situation um, because Alex Smith was really good that year. But my point is, you, you know, that's a classy organization. It's a good organization, a lot of skill, a lot of talent, planning for the future. I want Mac Jones to wait. I'm honestly not the best rookie evaluator, so I'm excited. I'm happy that they spent the pick on him. I really am. I think at, you know, where they got him, it's worth taking a shot at one of those guys. Um, So I like the move. I hope they sit him for at least a couple of months. Um, I think also on the other side of that, you know, what's best for the team right now. I think winning right now, Cam Newton puts you in that position. The guy's competitor. He came in as a fresh player last season. You had COVID. So you had um, all these restrictions and shortened training camp. Everybody said he was the hardest worker in the room. He really, I, I really, you know, became more of a fan of Camden Newton last season, to be honest. Um, I I really uh, like him as a player. I don't think he's anywhere near where he was like five years ago, but I think that he can help a team get to the playoffs. And like you said, you know, he didn't have a a lot of great supporting weapons and they, they made, you know, the Patriots made some weird moves with wide receivers, Kendrick Bourne, a couple other guys, but I think it is an improvement from last season. Um, You know, Julian Edelman, awesome, awesome dude, but he, you know, he was kind of, on the tail end of his career. So he's retired now. Um, I'm excited. So I think Cam Newton, my prediction is that Cam plays for at least eight weeks. Um, I think that's best in the interest of uh, winning now as well as planning for the future. So that's, that's kind of my, my take. Yeah. I mean, what I, do you think?
1: I, yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, I don't really see any other way around doing it unless he just is blowing you out of the water in camp, right? Like, I mean, if just everything you're throwing at him, he's just executing then yeah, maybe you consider the idea of saying, all right, maybe we do just give it, give it to him in the get go here and just go and see what happens. You know, we did it with Josh Allen and we were in a different situation, right? We didn't really have that veteran presence that was still able to play. I think Cam's only knock right now is his, his arms, not the, the same right obviously so if you game plan the intermediate shorter stuff and you just make that the way you're gonna win and you get good at that then yeah he's he's definitely the guy and why wouldn't you want your guy to take a year to learn instead of just getting beat up right i mean like joe burrow got thrown out there last year right and he he played phenomenal but he was on his back so many times every time i felt like i watched a game he was getting killed I was like, dude, is going to be dead before this. He's halfway through the season, right? He didn't even make it all the way through because you've got to be able to protect him, too. So I think Jones does have a better situation, like as far as line and things, you know, scheming and that kind of stuff that he could step in. But I, I agree. I want the veteran right now just to see. I mean, maybe the Bills slip a little. Maybe they don't have that great of a season, and you are right there in the mix. To, to win the division again, you know, maybe you are, you don't know, but the veteran probably does give you the best chance. But let me ask well, you, sir. yeah, well, let, let me ask you about another quarterback that this guy, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place on him because I, I just don't see it. I, I it not every time I watch him, I'm like, yeah, it looks cool, but it looks so frantic and it looks so like, it doesn't look under control to me to where I like feel confident that he's the guy, but let, what
0: are your thoughts on Kyler Murray? So, Kyler Murray, um, let, me, let me say that, um, so I, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm a writer for the fantasy footballers. The fantasy footballers are from Arizona. I'm obviously not from Arizona. Um, I think they have him as their number two QB. And um, I, first off, like really trust their rankings. I think from a fantasy standpoint, I'm all about Kyler. I, I've done some basketball drafts through Underdog, mm-hmm. and um, I've got him. You know, maybe I've probably done like six drafts and maybe I've got him twice. Um, And again, I'm not like a super early QB guy, but I I like him where he's going because of his rushing ability. I do think their offense in the real world, I mean, back to like real life versus fantasy, I think in real life, um, he's a good QB, but I I think that um, they have a lot of offensive challenges, you know, Um, but it is year two with, with Nuke DeAndre Hopkins in the system I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is really um, anything all that special, you know? Thank you. Thank you. I do think that.
1: (laughs) I got like bagged uh, a few episodes back um, for kind of talking a little bit of smack about the entire NFC West coaches, because I I feel like they've they've got a lot of love, but I'm, I'm looking at losing records. Carol's overrated. Yeah, I'm looking at losing records for a lot of them, you know, and I'm like, but they're so innovative and they're this. And I'm like, but are they? Like, I don't I don't know. I mean, like, but anyway, yeah, uh, we we won't bag him. But I do think Klingsberg is like he didn't win that much in college either. Right. So it's like, yeah, he's got this big brain and it looks cool, but like it it doesn't appear to be working. I don't that's just my I don't know.
0: It's it's funny because it's like, hey, you know, he's going to they're going to run like a million plays per minute. It's like that's cool to say. But like they, they were marginally above. Um, or, I mean, they were, they were toward the top, right? Like, they, but it's not like they're groundbreaking on the statistics analysis. So I think it's more kind of like, a storyline than it is reality. Right.
1: And I do agree. And I, I'm, I'm on under that underdog frequently myself (laughs) already. I got sucked in early and I've been in there like almost daily getting into a different one, trying to best ball all day, every day. But I, I do have one so far where I do have Murray. So I do, he does have the fantasy value. I absolutely a hundred percent. And I think, on depending on how their rankings are, because I have the ultimate draft kit, right? So I've already been all up in there, and I do think they have him as number one potentially, even in a certain scoring format where he is the their number one QB. So I mean, uh, it, 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 the dude's quick, and he does, and he—that's he, kind of the good thing for him, even in his franticness—is that when it does fall apart, he's so quick that he could still make you know magic happen, right? But I don't know. I can't buy him in a regular league. I don't think.
0: I'm with you. In, in a redraft league, I, I'm not going to touch him, um, to be honest. I, I do like him, but I, I also, I found myself, I mean, he was a good, um, I guess, differentiation in redraft and best In baseball, I tend to go, um, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in investing in tight end and QB early because I think that there's more of an advantage there. Whereas in managed leagues like redraft. Um, I trust my ability to make moves and gain value throughout the season from trading waiver wires and things like that. Right. Yeah.
1: Very cool. So if you had just to pick one guy, you get them every time you want them, no matter where you are at, you get this guy. Who's that guy for you this season?
0: That's a, that's a great question. Um, I wish I had ADP. I, I, I can try to, um, see if I can pull up quick. I don't want to delay the question, but guys, as I'm doing this guys that I really like that I found myself taking, um, and I'll, I'll try to narrow it down to one. Um, but guys that I really like are Deandre Swift, um, JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards and Debo Samuel. Those are probably like the, the guys that I'm, I I like Mark Andrews a lot this year too. Okay. Um, I have a ton of Debo, but I, I I've been all Debo, you know, I've been, I all love over Debo.
1: Debo. Yeah, I've been all over I, like any chance every time I look and he's a near there near there. I'm like, yep, I'm just going to take him. Like I've, I have so much anticipation for him this season, even though I'm not trusting the quarterback over there. I think he's still going to find a way to be to be the guy. And he's just he's like that A.J. Brown, right? He's the big dude. He's going to make plays after he catches the ball and throw guys around. So I'm big on him too. Gus Edwards uh, he, to me. That's a tough one. I, I like him absolutely at his draft value because of where you're getting him, but the backfield is weird, right? The backfield's hard for me to figure out. So I would say in best ball, I would go Gus Edwards. Absolutely. Right. But in any other format, I'm really unsure about that backfield. That's actually one of three backfields that I'm pretty unsure about. Uh, and Buffalo is one of them. So we'll, we'll chat about that. In a little bit, so
0: it, like to me, can I? I want to I want to say one yeah. thing about Debo and Gus, yeah. If that's cool, yeah. so I I I am loving the Debo love. I looked this up, and um, in Debo's career, um, so he's been in the league for two years. You know, coming into his third season, in games where he's seen at least four targets, so four plus targets, he's averaging twelve point four points per game. I mean, the guy like you—you you give him a few touches. It's that's the thing. You don't have to give him eight targets. It's like you give him five targets, and the guy explodes. I mean, he's a yak master. I, I just—I I love him. I love him. I love him. People say he's injury prone. I think that this is going to be breakout season. I, I had to—I had to give my plug. Oh team. no,
1: absolutely. I I agree. I, I think even with that quarterback, he's going to have a phenomenal year. What do you got for Gus?
0: So for Gus, and, and you brought this up, like it's a questionable backfield. I do agree. I'm, I'm nervous. Um, one of my, you alluded to it earlier. Um, I, I'm a big fan of fullbacks. And one of the guys that I, I chirp up is Pat Ricard, number 42, fullback for the Ravens. Used to be a two-way player. He grew up in the town I live in. Um, so we'll, we'll, you know, chirp it up here and there. And uh, so he is a fullback. And I, I, I feel the desire to rep some Ravens, even though they're AFC Right. Um, and we've, you know, fought him in the playoffs a lot. But anyway, for their, their rushing game as a team, I mean, his top three for the past four plus years. I mean, they're just, they're really good at rushing. I think Gus Edwards, I mean, he's above five yards per carry for the past, you know, couple of years and he's gotten less work. So he's not recognized as much as the big guys. I think Gus is a late round guy when the hit rate where you were taking anybody so low, if the circumstances occur where, he gets more, you know, carries or he becomes a league guy due to injury or whatever it may be. I think that he's going to be a league winner. And, and again, I, I do love J.K. Dobbins. Um, where again, with J.K. Dobbins, it's like he, they haven't been giving the passing work as much. But I'm all about the Ravens backfield because I think they're going to um, be a little bit better than people in the fantasy world kind of remember from last season.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only other thing, and Gus just got paid too, right? So that that for, for me was kind of like solidifying saying, okay, they're not going to change anything about the backfield, right? That That's what kind of made me nervous was like, okay, so the numbers that I'm seeing, this is probably what I'm going to get, right? Or it's going to be something, very. there's one more game, so you can add that in, right? But it's going to be pretty similar, I think. And I, I don't know that Dobbins can do the you know, what do you have set like almost a touchdown in every game, like towards the end of the season or something like that? I mean, like, he was yeah, I mean, that's it. like, yeah. that's pretty hard stuff to do. Right. So, I mean, it's like, maybe he can with that rushing attack, but that is one of the backfields, but I do like Gus. I mean, I think if I was to have to take one of them, it's always going to be Gus. I'm not going to go the other way because I'm not going that high. Cause I feel like the RB one is the QB one, just the same as it is in our backfield. And when we get down close, he's stealing touchdowns. He's doing, you know, he's doing the, he's doing things that, I would rather go with Gus. I just wish Gus would catch the ball. Like like one of them needs to separate as the pass catcher. And if they do that, then they're 100% the guy, right? But neither one of them does that.
0: It's a, it's a really, I, I think that's a very astute point in, in the the holes that you poked in my argument. Well, honestly, you're very good. Like in, in, I like the healthy debate, like you said, um, bringing both sides of the, the argument. That is one of the takes that, you know, being into J.K. Dobbins and Gus, and for the record, I don't want to take them both. I want to take one right. or the other. You know, I want I want to put one card in and see where it falls. But um, that is one of the you know opinions that I have that I'm most nervous about.
1: I still like it. Yeah, I, I've got a ton <laughs> of him right now too, though, in a bunch, especially in the best ball stuff because I feel like he's going to be potentially the guy that could have a game where he's got two touchdowns and 100 yards rushing just because of something crazy or or that, that offense is capable of doing the screen pass a little bit where you might get lucky and get that deep, that long one and things like that. But they are one of those backfields like ours. And Arizona is actually the other one for me where I'm kind of like, man, I just... <laughs> I don't like any of you, <laughs> like not. It, it, you know, like I just I, I've had a hard because they don't get enough, right? And the number one rusher is the quarterback. It's just like it's obvious, right? And so I, but I'm not gonna rant on that. I do that all the time. But anyways, let me can we can we shift into some fantasy strategy stuff a little bit? I'm I, you kind of we've Let's just kind it. of been chatting it up a little bit already. But like, so you mentioned in best ball because so do you do the um, the FCE eliminators at all for the Scott Fishbowl? Have you ever done any of those?
0: I'm doing one eliminator this year for the first time. Okay, so
1: this was also my first time going into it, right? So I went into this draft with not really paying attention to what we were doing, right? Because it just started. So I was like, all right, here we go. You know, and so I've got forever to make my picks. It's going to be fine, right? Like, you're going to be fine. You got all day. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm making my picks. I'm I'm like, you know, I like my running backs. And so I went running back and I went running back and I was kind of like watching and I'm like, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback quarterback i'm like why is everybody taking quarterbacks
0: Hmm.
1: am i missing something here i'm like wait a second you know so i'm like you know we get four rounds in or whatever (laughs) i'm kind of doing my normal thing and i'm like four rounds in and then i'm like wait a second everybody's gonna have to have like two quarterbacks and there's only 32 teams and there's 16 of us in here so i need a quarterback and so i in that draft i think it was like the fifth round had to take like sam darnold everybody else was gone. (laughs) I was like, what the hell just happened? So like when you go into the, I've changed it completely now, right? Like I I've been actually an underdog. I've been messing around with a bunch of different things. I, you know, trying to see like what works, but what do you like in best ball?
0: So, um, is, you mean specifically for the, uh, the two quarterback leagues, or just Just kind
1: of in general in best ball, if you're coming in, you're getting ready to attack kind of a best ball league. You've, you've got like a
0: sound approach that you like. Yeah, so I, I um, last year I had gone through and looked at five prior years of data of hit rate. So I looked at like based on whatever you know ADP average draft position someone was drafted for running back specifically, um, first round, second round, third round, fourth, and beyond. What's the percentage you know chance they finish as an RB one points per game basis? I, I kind of look at points per game because um, if they start. You know, they're going to start and you can play them. Um, if a player is injured, it skews the data for season-lock finishes. Um, so anyway, so I, I've, in that research that I've done, I'm, I think that there's a big advantage to having running backs early on, which I, I you know, was kind of talking about earlier. So um, typically for best full, I try to get, you know, you normally have 18 positions um, and you start one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, flex tight end. Um, I try to go running back early on. Um typically if I can get a tight end early, like Travis Kelsey at pick 109 or beyond, I'll, I'll do that. I think he presents that much of a, a you know value versus replacement. Okay. But typically I, I look for running backs early. Um wide receivers, I tend to grab, you know, between eight and ten. Um I well, I, I guess maybe six and ten, obviously, you know, depending on the circumstances. But I do I have been noticing that I try to grab a, a decent quarterback, so I'll grab a decent quarterback in the first, you know, eight rounds, something like that, um, and then I, that allows me the opportunity to only grab one more quarterback, so I can limit the number of players in that position. Same thing for tight end if it works out that way, and then running backs early, um, so I end up with like four or five running backs. And if, if things, you know, fall the way they, um, I, I like them to, and then I can load up on wide receivers because the thing is with wide receivers, like the value, the hit rate is awesome from rounds like three to six for for wide receivers. Um, But even still, if you hit on a wide receiver, their variance is so much greater. The peaks and values are so much greater than running backs, where running backs tend to be more consistent because they're more guaranteed volume um, in an offense. So um, that's kind of the the strategy I'd like to do ideally. But um, it is one of those things that you kind of like wait for the value to fall. You try to develop some stacks, but I I don't force a stack. and I like the idea of um, for stacking. If you get a quarterback and some wide receivers, if you get later guys like um, you know, I Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel, and then you grab Ryan Fitzpatrick. Lake. I, like I, I like doing things like that where it's not a high opportunity cost. And you don't feel like you're you're pulling too far from ADP.
1: Yeah, I like that. And that makes me feel good because that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, my numbers have been falling right around there, too. I've been about four or five running backs. Um, you know, it, it's been weird for me to not want to have 100 running backs. Right. Because I, I feel like they go down so easy right that you need running backs right you know and it's like but there's not that many of them that you can really trust to be worth anything so it's like I've been kind of doing the same thing about four to five heavy on the wide receivers uh, one little stack I've been doing kind of on the back end or trying to pull off here and there is a little Sam Darnold with like Robbie Anderson like kind of deep later on just to see if they happen to have a good good week here or there or something you know but uh, I like to yeah I th- I have been doing, I do have a little Fitzpatrick in one too. I like him cause I love Terry McLaurin, man. If he's, if he's there and I'm there and we meet, I'm just like, Hey man, Terry, you're coming with me, right? <laughs> like, I just feel like it, I like him a lot too. He's another guy for me. And I think after that season last year, and now he's got to do this going to just throw it to him no matter if he's got four people on him, he's still going to throw it to him. So uh, I really like the possibilities with Fitzpatrick there with him, but that's cool. Um, but obviously, so, like you, you're pretty good in this. You, you've went back, you're looking at tons of data, you know, the average people aren't doing that, right. You know, the guy that's just playing with his buddies, isn't going back. He's waiting for that top 300 list to pop. And then he's like, yep, let's go draft. Right. You know? So, but how much do you shift your strategy when you go to redraft?
0: I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Cause uh, you know, some of the things you said, I, I agree with you had mentioned, um, you know, for RBs, you, you tend to stay light for, you agreed with me for tending to see, like, in redraft. I just, I smash RB because I think, I'm a believer that wide receiver twos grow on trees. I think you can find that replacement pretty easily. It's predictable. Um, and yeah, there's there's more, um, you know, if you look at the the bell curve of, of fantasy points versus position and, and how it's all relative to um, the top tier, you know, for running backs, it starts really top heavy and then it, it comes down and then it gets really shallow. For wide receivers, it starts, you know, at a lower bar than, than running backs and it comes down into slow, gradual downturn. So when you get to wide receiver threes, wide receiver threes outproduce RB threes all the time. They're more easy to predict. So I, for me, I try to grab at least one wide receiver that I really like. And if I only leave with like one wide receiver run, if I if I leave with Terry McLaurin and Debo Samuel at a bunch of flyers late, I'm perfectly happy because I can stack those early running backs and. I just think it's an easier thing to predict. It's an easier way to get to a championship where, again, there's plenty of people that go zero RB um, that can be successful. But for me, I think the highest likelihood of, of applying an intelligent strategy is go RB heavy, smash it, and then I can get wide receiver twos on the waivers.
1: Yeah. Where do you um, where do you start looking for a quarterback in redraft?
0: So typically, like the last round, um, This past, I'm in a, a keeper league. Um, with the, you had mentioned my, the podcast that I'm starting, mm-hmm. um, Tackle Dummies with my buddy c It was the first, uh, fantasy league I ever joined, um, 10 years ago. And, um, you know, as I've grown, I, I don't know that I've drafted a quarterback in the first like 12 or 13 rounds and maybe like five years, something like that. So like last year I drafted Joe Burrow, um, with my last overall pick, I only played Burrow and then I played like F- Fitzpatrick once and then. I got Herbert. I'm all about grabbing a late round guy and redraft. I think something, I I haven't put together, um, I guess, intelligent way to communicate it, but I I think there's actually an advantage in grabbing a guy late, knowing that there's a decent chance that he fails because it frees you up with a roster spot. If Joe Burrow didn't work out, I'm not keeping him. I can drop him and grab someone else. If I grab, you know, a guy in the ninth, like Joe Burrow this year, like versus last year where you can just throw him. This year I draft Joe Burrow in, in the 10th round, something like that. If he doesn't have a good week one, I'm going to grab someone else, but I'm going to keep him on my roster. And I think having that, that extra, you know, space on your roster where you can just dump a guy and throw whoever you want on carries a lot of value. So, um, and then also the Delta between, you know, the ADP of QB seven versus the ADP of QB 13 is only a couple of points. So, so for me, um, obviously if the value falls, you know, grab your guy, but traditionally I'm like a very, very late, quarterback
1: snagger. So you're, you're never going to have the Mahomes of the world or the Josh Allen's of the world yeah. on your team. Yeah. I I did this stretch for a long time where I went like nine and t- ninth and 10th round. And I would take two guys that were decent just back to back and I would kind of mess people up. Right. Because I know that I'd be looking at the board and going, okay, they're waiting for these guys. I'm just going to take both of them back to back while they think they're going to get to wait. But then I ran into the scenario every week where I was picking the wrong guy to put in. Right. So I had to give up on that. And now I I typically it's probably like 11th, 12th round is like the earliest. I'll be like, yeah, you know, I like that guy enough that I'll do it now instead of waiting. But I've never gone all the way till the end to see what was really left at the end to to try to pick my quarterback there. I might have to do that in one of these leagues this year just to see how that plays out.
0: Well, can I if I can uh, jump into that league specifically is keeper. Right. So we do. I, I just wrote an article about keeper. There's so many different ways to play keeper. We do keepers tied to cost of draft. And essentially the earliest or the sorry, the latest you can keep someone is the ninth round the following year, unless you draft them and keep them on your team the entire season. So we have a caveat. So if you trade them, they lose their eligibility, they they go to ninth. If they drop to the waivers, you pick them back up, they lose their eligibility, drop to the ninth. So I specifically drafted defense and kicker ahead of Joe Burrow. I grabbed Joe Burrow last overall because it's high upside, low risk. You know, and, and if he did work out, i get him for the 14th round pick. Um, so in that league specifically, I think there was a builded um, added strategy where there is even more of an advantage where like the you know opportunity cost around 10 versus 15 is like negligible. But the advantage that you can gain in the next year is very significant. Mm. Um, so in that case, I think there's an added, like not just straight redraft where a 13 or 12 versus a 15 is pretty much the same. Um, so that, that was kind of the other, the other factor for that particular
1: thing. No, that's cool. I, the quarterback to me is always the position that you, you know, you need him to get you over 20 points every week. Right. I mean, like that's your, that's your goal with depending on your scoring or whatever. Right. But I mean, nowadays it's almost turned into where they need to be putting up like 30 to be worthwhile, you know, In the way that some of these guys are putting up numbers, but is there one thing, Jeff say, That you just, no matter the league or whatever, or maybe league specific, is there one, like anything you could tell people to just avoid doing period, like stay away from this. Don't think this works. Don't bother even trying this, any of that kind of stuff.
0: I'd say, I think the biggest for, for, um, newer fans, I guess, um, avoid thinking, fill my starting lineup before I move on to other things. Um, that's something I found myself doing early on. Um, all right, I, you know, I've got a running back and a wide receiver. I might as well grab a quarterback and fill the running back, wide receiver spot, then tight end. Now I've got kicker. Now I've got defense. I think um, a better way to go about it is, is to um, kind of do some research on, I guess, again, like hit rate and in, in the positional replacement value. So how easy is it to find someone on the waivers and plug them in and have them be a startable asset that week? And one interesting thing, going back to the QB thing, um, I think it was maybe it must have been like four years ago at this point, but someone, a fan of the Fantasy Footballers podcast, had done some research and said, based on the average guys that they recommended streaming, so like percentage ownership under fifty percent on ESPN, um, they recommend guys every week, and they did a analysis, and if you if you went with their guys week in and week out throughout the season you ended up with what would have been the QB six, you know, on a points per game basis. So I think understanding that positional replacement value, like again, quarterback, if it's a one quarterback league, it's very, very different than the two quarterback league. I think understanding how much depth there is. Um, and I guess to me, looking at statistics and kind of understanding how everything is relative is, is the biggest um, factor. I like it because
1: I did that same thing and uh you, you have people tell you all the time, don't, don't fill your roster. Right. My last two picks historically in every redraft now have been defense and kicker or vice versa. Right. And then besides that, I'm just stacking players the best I can. Right. I mean, that's yes. Sure. If you want to fill like your tight end right off the bat, then do that. Right. But don't, Now be like, oh, I need two more wide receivers because I got two more wide receiver spots, right? And like maybe the running back's the guy that's sitting there with the most value that you're like, you know what? No, I'm gonna take that guy, even though I that's my third running back already. Oh well, right? Like if he's the best player, take him. Right. But so speaking of running backs, Buffalo Bills backfield, are you selecting either of them?
0: Oh, I I knew you were gonna ask this question. (laughs) That's That's a really tough one. Um I think it's fair to take a gamble. I I don't, I'm not planting my flag on either. There's neither one that I'm saying like every draft I want. I, you know, I'm interested in him at the ADP. I think either one could hit. And if you just go by, I think Buffalo is going to be a very good team. Um, I think that they have an awesome rushing offense. Like you said earlier, Josh Allen is clearly the RB one, but I do, you know, there's other guys that are going to touchdowns. And so I think, I think that they will have valuable weeks. I think it's going to be hard to predict. Um, So if I had to pick one, I I think I like Devin Singletary a little bit more, Um, but neither of them are ones that I'm like, Absolutely, this is my guy type thing. What do What are your thoughts as a Buffalo fan? Yeah, I don't like I don't like the way
1: it looks. Um, like I actually, I'm a Zach Moss guy. I mean, I feel like his coming out of college, I liked what he presented or what I I thought he was going to present to the team was just that guy that can kind of be the bigger, get between the tackles, kind of the goal line. He plays in some snow. He's he's a little built, you know, build a little stockier, you know. Just I felt like he would be the guy. and he was having an all right season realistically. I mean, for when he was touching the ball, he was, his numbers are okay, but it all boils down to neither of them touch the ball enough to make them super valuable. Right. Unless they, unless Devin Singletary goes back to where he's just making explosive plays every time he touches the ball, he's not getting enough work. Zach Moss isn't getting enough work. And if they truly spin Matt Breida in there at all this season too, then you've got even less work. Right. And, so to me, it's 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 that's what it all it is. It's not that I don't really dislike them or whatever. It's just more or less I don't see that that they're going to have the value that I'm going to look for in a running back. I mean, realistically,
0: well, we'll yeah, see. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I forgot about Matt Breida. He's like he's a he's an all time player. Like if you look up his story, he's just a guy that you love. I mean, he's a, he's a really cool dude. You know, San Francisco, he was awesome. Shanahan offense where they could put someone in and they're going to score a lot of points and. I think it's a good thing for Buffalo to bring a guy like Breida in where you can rotate players and, you know, not rely on one guy. You get an injury and you can still be good. So I think Buffalo is better off for having the rotation. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's a it's a tough thing with limited work for the options they do. Right. Have. And I th- I thought
1: when they brought in Breida, too, that it was like when we were talking about drafting etn and all draft i'm like for we just brought in the speed guy already it's brita right like he's he's the speed that they we were missing right if that's what they think we were missing they've already got that in this guy that's shown us he can do it in the league right you know so like why wouldn't we just keep him i mean he may also not even make the team who knows like i you know if he doesn't have sure you know if he doesn't have any kind of like special teams value or anything like that you don't necessarily just hold on to rb3s that you're only putting on the field once or twice a game potentially. Right. So he might not even make the team depending on how these other guys are doing. But I, you saying Singletary surprised me a little bit, but I do think that if he's going to have a year, he has to do it this year, or he might find himself not playing in the NFL, you know, for much longer, just based off of where he was drafted. He's now going to be stacked behind guys, maybe ahead of him. So I, I think he needs to have a good year and I hope he does. He looks, he looks mean. Have you seen the pictures of him, uh, working out this off season. he's like stacked.
0: No, I, I haven't.
1: Yeah. Is he? Go, go look at some of his pictures. You might move him a little bit higher up your thing. He looks like he's, he's just, he's, <laughs> he's like stacked out, man. He's huge. But let's talk about another Dude, position. He's, he's a
0: shorter guy too. Yeah, he
1: is. He's like, he, I mean, he feels like he's like this wide now it's look at some of these pictures of him, man. It's crazy. So let me ask you behind digs, obviously, cause digs is the guy, if you're, if you're going to use value high on a wide receiver, digs is worth it. Right. I don't think there's going to be any potential for him to, maybe he's not going to have the same season he had last year, but it's going to be pretty darn close. I would imagine in production. So who do you like behind digs though? Is there anybody that you kind of, if they're sitting there, you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go that route. Cause this is going to be a passing offense.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting question, and, and you had alluded earlier to three backfields that you have a, you have a hard time identifying um, who's going to take a step forward. I, I view that for the Bills. I mean, at the I, I'd be taking a flyer on Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, and um, Emmanuel Sanders at the right price, in like a basketball, for example. If I had to pick one, I'd go Cole Beasley. He was just such a beast, you know, and he was he was like you know a Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type. Um, The gritty, you know, slot receiver. Um, So I'm excited for that. I think that Gabriel Davis, you know, could take a step forward. And Emmanuel Sanders is obviously on the tail end of his career. But for me, I'm going to go with a guy who's probably a safer answer in uh, in Cole Beasley. What do you think? Yeah, Beasley's a stud.
1: I mean, you his value in like his production, you, it's over like people overlook what he's actually doing. I mean, he's getting close to a thousand yards receiving last year in that offense. He's going to be right there again. If he would have played that last game, he would have went over the number, you know, you would have had a thousand yard receiving year for the number three guy, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's pretty good number, right? I mean, but to me, uh, Emmanuel Sanders is the, he's the tricky one for me. I actually have a I'm feeling like we might see Sanders do a little bit of that second year in Denver because he's got, he's now got a really good wide receiver across from him. You just mentioned Beasley running around underneath. Gabriel Davis could easily be inside, outside. You can move Sanders inside, outside. I mean, I, I feel like Sanders could potentially just, he's going to get a lot of one on one work, right? Because everybody's going to be shading the digs. So he, I, I think he's going to have a really good year, but it's tough because it does feel like a wide receiver crew that, One of them is going to have a good week and the rest of them are not right. Like it could very well be that way, even though there's a ton of production. Like, I think I know people, when I say that are like, but he throws the ball a trillion times. It's like, yeah, he does. But remember digs is getting 15 of those. Right. And then over here is going to go three, four. Here's going to go three, four. Here's going to go four. The back's going to take two. He's going to take two. Right. So the number they're not that they're not that many when you really think about it. But I agree. Gabriel Davis has been the hitter. I've been asking this question uh, to quite a few people the past few weeks and everybody does love. Uh, I think if you listen to the Derek Brown one, he's a Gabe Davis fan. He's like calls him Gabe the toe dragger Davis, you know, uh, because of that playoff game. So that's (laughs) uh, I agree that that's the guy that I think could have the the most jump. I would say i would go with gabe davis on the yeah my flyer pick that he could have a really awesome year compared to where he was last year but he produced pretty well last year
0: so absolutely and i will say i think that um i, I think a guy that gets overlooked in dynasty is dawson knox um he's a guy that i i kind of you know he's a low cost and he could take a step forward what is he going to year three yep. as a tight end mm-hmm. and those guys take time to develop and so I think he showed some flashes and, and decent plays, you know, as a, as a late guy, especially in dynasty.
1: Right. And the only reason, and I have been picking him up kind of late and some best ball stuff too, cause I think he could have that monster game. But my concern with him too, is that there's so many other people, right? Like that is he really, if they've, we reared four wide receiver sets like the second most in the NFL last year. Right. So he's, he might not be getting that much action, but I do like him and bringing in Hollister. I, I think he's, Hollister is the new Lee Smith, right? Like it it sounds funny to say that Lee Smith was the, like the red zone tight end target guy in the back of the end zone, but he was for (laughs) some reason. But I think Hollister is going to be, could be a monster in that role that he could be a late flyer too, that he could have maybe only 20, 30 yards, but he'd be scoring touchdown every other week, potentially for as much as his team gets down there. You've kind of mentioned it a little bit that you think the bills are going to be good. Um, AFC wise, where do you think the Bills stand? Just all overall in the AFC? Are they going to be a team that's back in the AFC Championship?
0: I think so. I mean, I think. Um, let's see. I I really like the. I mean, I think it's you know, Bills, Ravens, Chiefs. I think are the big three. Um, I, I I do. I've got to, again, I, I let my my fandom for, like, an NFL player talks to me, and I'm I'm going to defend them to the death. So Ravens, I think, are the team that I'm going to be um, kind of rooting for. Okay. Um, outside, of, outside of the Patriots and, you know, where the Bills are interdivision. But I think Bills are a top three team in the AFC. Top three team in the AFC. Yeah. And I think in football, it's any given Sunday. So I, I think they've got a, a, as good a shot as any.
1: Yeah, yeah. The Ravens, I'm having a little bit of a hard time putting them back up there just because of what they lost defensively. But I mean, they're the Ravens' defense; they're typically always good. So I'll 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 respect what they are capable of doing at this point, and just imagine that they have a plan that their defense is going to be just as good as it was. But but like the Browns and the Titans, to me, have become very scary options. You know, especially the Titans recently. But the AFC is stacked. This the this. This is clearly the best mm. side of football right now, even though Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl the AFC is just stacked right now.
0: I completely agree. I, I absolutely.
1: I mean, there's there's probably 10 teams that I feel like, well, there's a few teams that I'm just like, just like the Raiders, like they're they're going to mess up. You know, the there's some low hangers in there like Houston and some teams like that that are there's going to be a clear cut divide, I think we'll see in the AFC good teams and bad teams. But when you look across the board, I feel like the AFC is just so much more stacked than the NFC right now. And it's awesome because I do want to win. Like when we win, I want us to beat the best. I don't want to like, that's the only thing I hate about Brady leaving and us winning the division right after is there's part of me that still was like, I wanted to beat the king. I didn't want to take over the castle after the king left. Right. Like, so even though I'm happy we're there now, and we hopefully are going to stay there, but it didn't feel as great. I'll admit it, but whatever. So we've (laughs) chatted a ton of football. Uh, I, I really was hoping that it was going to turn into this. I knew you were going to bring the numbers and all the good stuff. So I really appreciate you doing all that stuff because I that to me is like that's the stuff I've really started diving into more and more as I've gotten into fantasy because I'm like there's a clear cut advantage and it's just paying attention to the numbers. If you really just dive in and dive in right and starting to play with really good people. But I do want to transition into the nerding out session uh, before we close out here because I, I like getting to know a little bit more about you outside of the football stuff, even though some of the questions are football related or whatever, and your answers can all be football related. That's fine. Um, uh, doesn't matter. So first things up, Jeff, is there like a sports book that you would just be like, yo, you got to read this?
0: Absolutely. And it's not football related. Okay. So, um, uh, my, my sport, I, football is the sport I watch the most, most in my sport, I guess, um, high school, college and playing men's league after is tennis. Yeah. I love tennis. I'm a big tennis guy. I think uh, great sport. Um, my favorite book is called Winning Ugly by Brad Gilbert. And it's this guy who was not your traditional tennis player. And um, he played in like the 90s. And he was a guy that no one expected to be good, but he always had an edge. And he would write, he wrote this book and he found out like, for example, in tennis, it's like you get to pick you know, if you if you win the toss, like, do you want to serve first? Do you want to give it to the other guy? And you realize, like, if I give it to the other guy, I have a 10 percent edge on him. And he was a big numbers guy and he would take notes and he would figure out who he's playing against, how what percentage of their of their hits to the backhand did they get back? And I just he was a really, really smart player who was a very good athlete, but never an athlete that was going to win the championship. But he won some championships because he used the mental edge. So Winning Ugly by Brad Gilbert, all-time book. I've probably read it 2-3 times. I'm not even a big book guy to be honest, but love That's that. That's awesome.
1: Book. It's funny cuz uh, I actually played tennis in high school as well. That was my was my jam as well too. So very cool. I'm going to read that. Awesome. So next one is is football related, right? So what do you love about the game, Jeff? Like what 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 got Jeff into writing about the game and just like diving into the game the way you do?
0: So I, I guess, you know, I um, I like the Patriots because starting in, in 2001, we had a really good football team. So it was an easy thing to get into. So I, I was kind of a fair weather fan early on. Um, and then I started getting more into the Patriots as we started doing better. And, you know, what really expanded me on to becoming an NFL fan beyond just the Patriots was fantasy football. So I graduated college and a bunch of my buddies um, started fantasy football league in, in I think like 10 of the original people are so into it. So for me, it was my, my love for the NFL stemmed from that where it's like, Oh, I want to, I want to check out that game. And I just, I love watching red zone. I love a good, you know, Thursday night, Sunday night, um, Monday night game. I just, I'm, I'm wearing the Patriots Jersey and I'm, I am a Patriots fan, but it's, you know, probably an unpopular opinion, but I, I just, I love a good football game, you know, and, um, I love the aspect that anything can change, you know, in a, in a quarter. Um, unlike other sports, it's, it's again, it's any given Sunday. So there's a lot of coaching influence. There's a lot of just on-field things that can, you know, change the game um, with a big play. I mean, you know, Patriots Atlanta, 28-3, to three, um, or 3-28, to 28 and they came back. And that just watching something like that, that is just, in football, you tend to get more of a storyline of a, a fairy tale, you know, ending. I I just, I love, I just, the hard hits, the good catches, the athleticism, um, I'm drawn to the adrenaline. I love it. That's awesome. Cause it,
1: I don't think it's an unpopular opinion. Cause I, you know, as much as I am, well, it probably is an unpopular opinion for the bills mafia. Cause it's bills are nothing, you know, for the most part, but I'm on the West coast. Right. So, the bills finish, and then I've got like the afternoon slate comes in and it's only one o'clock. Right. So that I watch a ton of other football, right. Because it's like, there's a ton of other football on, I see the NFC West play a ton, you know, and of course I've got Sunday tickets. So I'm bouncing around watching the games that I think are important or, you know, things like that. So it's a blast. So when you're hanging out writing or just cruising around, you got a podcast you listen to.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's the fantasy footballers. I still, I'm a diehard fan. Um, I started listening to them probably like, I don't know, six years ago, something like that, seven years ago. Um, and I was just, I was like, oh, hey, I wonder if there's something on Apple podcast that is about football. And I, I saw them and I just, I'm so drawn to their comedy. And my favorite thing about the fantasy footballers, is that they're humble. You know, there's a lot of really, really great fantasy minds. There's a lot of other people I really like, um, like Dynasty Nerds and Establish the Run. Um, a lot of other really good stuff out there. But for the fantasy footballers, my favorite thing is like, here's the data. But like the thing that people don't talk about is if you're in a 12 man league, you have less than a 10% chance of winning. So at the end of the day, you can be a really good fantasy football player. If you're in a good league with competitive people, it's still, you know, a likelihood you will not win. So I think I like the idea of like, I'm going to give you an edge, but at the end of the day, you have to understand you not winning does not mean, um, you know, really all that much or you winning a league is probably more indicative of the people you're playing with. Um, so I I like the, here's the facts, here's our opinions. We're going to have some fun. We're going to, you know, bring some comedy into it but we're going to be realistic. I, I'm, I'm so drawn to
1: that. Yeah. It's very cool. I was, I've been jamming a lot. Like I said, I got there the draft kit. I mean, there's a ton of material in there. You get all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, I think Lauren actually uh, just, she just actually put out a thing that shows how to use all the tools in there and everything. I mean, the things it's a monster, it's on an app now. I mean, it's cool. Very cool. So you kind of mentioned to play a little bit ago, but is there another play Jeff or kind of like a player or just something that sticks with you that you just can't get rid of?
0: Yes. And I, I, had to write it down. So it was the Rams saints game from 2019, um, NFC championship. And so it was tied 2020. And, um, that's when he was third down. The saints are passing and I, I had to write down the players names, but it was, it was Robbie Coleman, 23 on the Rams, um, uh, DB that went in, you know, tackled the wide receiver on the on the, on the saints. Um, Tommy Lee Lewis and, um, right before he caught the ball, it was a no call. I mean, they, they, it forced them into a field goal. And that was, so I think that that was like a really, I saw that play and it's like one of those things where you get up and like I said, like I'm, I'm really into good football. I like the saints. I've really liked the saints a lot. I think of a good organization, pretty good balanced team recently. Um, you know, you want to see Drew Brees win. So I saw that play and I was just, I was kind of like really mad. I was ticked off. I saw that and you get the no call, they get a field goal. The Rams come back, they get a field goal, pushes to OT and the Rams end up winning the game. And realistically, that should have been um, a call that gives them, you know, the, the Saints first down at the 17 yard line. And I think that changes the course of the game. So I think the Saints between that and Minnesota recently, they've had a few games that they've been kind of put in a bad position. And, you know, as someone who's been on the other side of the luck in the Patriots, you see a well run, you know, clean organization for the most part. Um And uh, it's tough seeing a good team and all the all the sweat, blood and tears that the team's putting into winning and um, arguably have the referees take that away. Yeah, I mean, that's and the Saints have been like they've not
1: been in the Super Bowl two years in a row back then because of. Bad play calls, realistically, right? Or just like bad situations happening. So I really, I really like though that your play has nothing to do with the Patriots because I imagine everybody was like, oh, let's see what he's going to complain about that happened to the Patriots, right? You know, like
0: I hate Patriots fans.
1: (laughs) So very cool. I'm glad it was something way off. That's awesome. So Jeff, (laughs) thanks so much for coming on, man. We're just hitting over like an hour here chatting about the game, you know, a really awesome charity in Nord um, and just getting to, you know, have fun going around the league and stuff. So before we head out of here, got anything you want to shout out?
0: Sure. So, um, I just started a podcast tackle dummies, um, with my college buddy, life talk, you know, lifelong friend, good friend of mine, um, who's less into the numbers and he's, he's an engineer, like a very, you know, we have a very competitive league, but he's, um, kind of like a, he goes by feel. So our league, uh, sorry, our podcast is more like kind of on the comedy side with, with fantasy on the sides. So if you're interested in something like that, chopping it up, check out, um, tackle dummies. And aside from that, um, you know, I've got a little merch here, NBD, but KBD, it's a little, you know, saying for my, my brand on Twitter. And if you're interested, you can buy a hat and every hat purchase, $2 goes towards Nord, um, the national organization for rare diseases. Um, again, great organization. So I guess that's what I have going on. And and thanks a lot for having me on, man. You've had some pretty big guests. I'm I'm honored to be on and, There's a ton of fun chopping it up with you, man. Yeah,
1: thanks so much, man. That's really awesome. Uh, All that stuff will be in the show links, you know, so you guys can go over there, get yourself a hat, do all that kind of good stuff. Make sure you can check out Jeff's podcast and we'll also make sure you can link over to everything he's writing because he left that part out too, but he does actually write really good stuff too. So we can uh, send you over to that too. So Jeff, thanks a lot for hanging out with me, man. Really appreciate it. Everybody that's listening and watching, thanks so much for being here. Uh, You know, be safe out there. Uh, You guys can find everything I'm up to over at the Buffalo Nerd. uh, You know what? Love you guys, we'll see you guys next week.
0: You just listen to the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe. So you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out.